Do you ask yourself, do I care? Why am I here? What's the point of it all? Do I really have any control? Why is our society crumbling into chaos? If you ask these questions, you're in the right place. Welcome to the David Mulatto Show, where truth and facts matter. As a baby, I knew no color. What I mean by this is, I have many memories of when I was very young, I'm thinking probably two, three years old. But of all those memories, none of them were related to the color of my skin. I know that sounds kind of strange to say, but the point I'm making is all the color references that I discovered throughout my life were learned behaviors. They weren't natural. As a child, you could have put me in a room with another child, turned the lights off and let us play. And from the voices you heard, you would assume that they were two little English boys playing. But once you turned the light on, you'd realize one had a dark skin and one had a light skin. The point I'm making is that to the child, the skin color is irrelevant. The relevance of that color has to be taught. I remember when it was taught to me. I think I was probably five years old. Still at that point, I had no real idea of color identity. I was playing in the playground and suddenly out of nowhere I heard this voice yelling, Negro, Negro, Negro. Well, that wasn't the words used. The N-word was used, but I don't like using that word. I don't say that word. But you get my point. That moment in time was ingrained in my head because that was the first realization that my skin color was a factor in how I would be treated. So from then on, I can tell you stories about the jokes. I can tell you stories of all the color interactions, the gollywog stories. One of my favorites was we'd all sit around breakfast at the boarding school, maybe 10 kids to a table. And there's a gollywog on the back of the Robinson's marmalade jar. And the normal common joke was, oh, David, look, you're famous. You're on the back of the gollywog jar. To which my kind of weak response was, well, at least I'm famous. In my attempts to fit in, I remember sending off the labels. If you send away 10 labels, you got a, a little bronze gollywog badge that you could wear proudly. I remember when the badge came, I wore it thinking, no more jokes. I'm one of you. But you know what was strange? I was pretending to be something I wasn't, and I knew that this wasn't going to work. I'd have to change, and I, even at that young age, I knew in order to conform, I'd have to be something I wasn't. I'd have to go out of my way to be liked. I'd have to prove that I was like them, the lighter-skinned children. So you know what I did? I threw away the gollywog badge because I was disgusted with myself. I didn't expect the other children to change. I didn't expect other people to adapt around me. But I didn't want to adapt to their world. I didn't want to change myself to be something I wasn't. This has been the great battle throughout my life. As a young man, I could tell you that 
lots of stories, but some of the most prevalent. Standing in front of a fish and chip shop in a rough part of town, minding my own business. Police cars coming round the corner, grabbing me, throwing me into the police wagon, taking me down the police station, charging me with assault. Because some white girl had picked me out and said, hey, that's the guy that was assaulting me or calling me names. Of course, I had nothing to do with it. And after about two hours of sitting in a police cell, they threw me out, said, get on your way, stay out of trouble. So many stories. I was on the coast road, heading to Brighton on a holiday weekend, and anyone that's driven on that coast road knows it's bumper to bumper. You move at a snail's pace. I remember looking up in the distance and seeing a police car, hundreds and hundreds of yards away. Probably took me 25 minutes inching along. I passed the police car, didn't look at him, kept going. A minute later, I looked in my window and there they were right behind me, telling me to pull over. They flashed their lights. You pulled over. So I got out my car. They searched my car. You think about it. All these cars passing you, you're on the side of the road, being searched, your car being searched. You're the only person, hundreds of cars, and you're the one person they pick out. It's embarrassing. It's demeaning. So many stories. Even in America, being pulled over so many times. But yet, despite all of this, I always wanted to be part of something. I always wanted to be part of the culture. I was British. I knew I was British. I never saw myself as anything but British. And yet I was constantly being pushed away, pushed out, stereotyped. And what I learned is that at the end of the day, the only person who can control how I feel about myself is me. When I went through my black phase and I had a black group of friends, I lived in a black part of town. We were isolated, unemployment, 95%. All we did, smoke pot, hang out. We'd go into town, go to restaurants or go to a cafe and sit there. Okay, we had no money. We'd buy a cup of coffee. One day I went in. Sorry, you can't come in here. Why, I said. Well, we had trouble from somebody who looked like you, somebody of your colour. One club, disco in town. I loved it. It was my only time of the week when I felt normal. Dressing up, going to a club. All races, all mixes. Bailey's, it was called, in Liverpool. Then one day, get to the door. Sorry, you can't come in. Why, I said. We had trouble last week with people that looked like you. And that's how it was. The police showed up. Well, I thought, things will get fixed here because surely, legally, they can't just not let us in. We haven't done anything. No, the police said, get out. Go or we'll arrest you. Getting beaten up. A white gang, bunch of white boys, beat the crap out of me. My friend and I got up and staggered to the, down the street. Police showed up. Great, I thought. They'll catch these guys. They didn't care. Hospitals down the street, another mile. Make your way over there. And they drove off. They didn't care. So it didn't matter. It didn't matter what group I was in. When I was with 
white groups, when conflict arose, colour came up. My white friends, white girlfriends, conflicts maybe with the parents. Black group, conflict comes up, well you're not black, you're not really like us. And ironically, I want to tell you something. Of all those situations I was in, believe it or not, the most lowest I ever felt, the most disgusted I ever felt, the most worthless I ever felt, was when I was playing with some toys. I must have been six, seven years old. And I heard these two well-to-do ladies talking about me. And I knew they were talking about me. They were behind me as I was playing in front of them on the floor with the toy. One said to the other one, Oh, it's the children I feel sorry for. She felt sorry for me, just purely based on the colour of my skin and her perception of what that meant and how I would be treated. I have to say, in that point of time, I felt absolutely worthless. Now I'm telling you all this because I know what I'm talking about. I've had these experiences and to me they're real. I'm not some benevolent person looking to raise my status by showing the world how compassionate I am or how much I care. These are real experiences for me and there is only one way that you can survive these experiences. And that's by somebody, somewhere, instilling a belief that you are somebody. Somebody asked me once, they said, how come with everything you've been through that you have the attitude you have? And I said, I had people in my life when I was young that never looked at me as a victim, never looked at me as impure, never looked at me as an outcast. And so what happened when I went through these phases, when I went through these, these places of isolation, when I felt racism, when I felt victimization, when I felt oppression, I knew that that was a situation of that point in time, that was that person. Because I also knew good people. I also knew people that saw me as me. So I knew I was me. And I think one of the great mistakes people make is when you look at a child and you form a perception based on the colour of their skin, when you see them as a victim, and you ingrain that, you teach them that all conflict is somebody else's fault. They can't make it in life without your help. They're oppressed. You tell them they're they're oppressed before they even know what oppression is. You take away a child's soul. You create a dependent slave, a person reliant, on your benevolence. And I think that's one of the worst things you can do to a child, is teach that how they look is going to determine what their opportunities in life are. And their only hope of success is within a system that can protect them. You know, if our job as parents, or if our job as adults is to teach a child how to function and how to survive as an adult, when they're out there on their own. I have to say, I think we're doing a terrible job. Can you imagine in the animal kingdom, if the animals said to to their young, 
Oh, you don't need to learn how to hunt because of how we look. You don't need to know how to survive because of how we look. When that animal went off on their own, they'd have no survival skills. They wouldn't know how to survive. They wouldn't make it. In the animal world, the only way you make it is learning how to survive, how to hunt, how to take care of your your family, how to take care of yourself. But in the human world, for the large part, from what I see, we're not teaching that. We're teaching that it's you're going to be dependent on somebody else to create a space where you can feel comfortable. And I hate to tell you, I hate to break it to you, but that doesn't work. You can't survive with that mentality. If you want to look around realistically at all the violence, the robbing, the shooting, the carjacking, the mass robberies in the malls, and you want to sit there and you want to tell me, oh, it's racism, oh, it's oppression. I'm telling you it's not. I'm telling you it's survival. When you take a child and you give them no survival skills, you tell them that everything that's wrong in their life is somebody else's fault, that they're owed, and then you abandon that child when they leave school or when they leave your environment. And they have no skills. They can't work because they can't take instruction. They can't progress because they haven't been taught how to progress. So what do you do? You survive. You survive on things that you understand. You survive by selling drugs. You survive by looting. You survive by carjacking. That's the only survival skills that you have. Those are the only survival skills that you've been taught. No diversity, no inclusion, no amount of money is ever going to fix that. And that's what we're doing. Racism has been manipulated into the be-all, end-all. You can't do that. It's racism. You don't succeed. It's racism. You don't want to do that. It's racism. I know a bunch of young teachers that teach in schools in tough neighborhoods. And they say, I told this child to do this and they told me to F off. So I send them out. I send them out of the room. And they have to write, oh, I'm sorry. And then they come back. There are so many exceptions being made. Oh, this poor child comes from a tough neighborhood. We have to understand their feelings. We have to understand their oppression. I'm telling you, it's all wrong. If you don't teach a child that there's order, if you don't teach a child that there is a right and wrong, If you don't give a child the skills in order to be able to survive outside that system, then you end up with a child whose only means of survival is either being dependent on the system or to go out and grab for themselves what they can. So when I hear words like inclusion, diversity, they're all code words. They're code words for control. They're code words for excuses. Many people, some of them honestly and some of them naively, believe that if you provide somebody the opportunity, then everything's going to work out. That's not how life works. Of course you have to provide the opportunity. But you have to have order. You have to have rules. You have to show somebody they can believe in themselves. And when they fail, you have to be there to say it's okay to fail. It's not because of the color of your skin. I think one of the things that annoys me more than anything else is when I see these videos of a young black male 
being in an altercation with the police. And so everybody says, oh, that's the police. That's brutality. But nobody holds a person accountable for their actions. I have been pulled over by the police countless times. And yet I've never had a controversial interaction. It's humiliating. It's annoying. It makes you sick to your stomach. I was pulled over not so long ago with my son. It was pure profiling. But it's yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, you go through it. You get out of it safely. If you have a complaint, you go through the channels. And what annoys me more than anything else is so many excuses are being made because the person pulled over acts in a manner that causes the interaction. And yet the responsible parent will say to their child, if the police pull you over, say yes, sir, no, sir. Take the badge number. Behave yourself. Get out of there safely. And we'll, we'll find a way to take care of it, to sort it out. But then when a young black male causes interactions that cost a life or cost injury, racism is the first go-to. There's no responsibility for the action. There's no education out there. This is how you have to behave. It's not pleasant. You might not like it, but this is the way you behave. This is the way you survive. And you see that in so many things. We're not arresting people for shoplifting. I was in the store the other day, somebody walked out with hundreds of dollars worth of groceries and the clerk looked at me, nothing we can do. We're heading into chaos because we're not holding people responsible for their actions. We're allowing our compassion, well that person's oppressed, that person's a victim and society can't function like that. Society can't function in a world of chaos where there's no order. Now as I've told you before, I have dealt with racism my whole life. I was in the store the other day and the person followed me around and, and as I was walking out the door, checked me out. I knew what was going on. I was dressed kind of scruffy. But that's life. I thought about it. Do I really want to go say something to management do I, or do I care? It's just life. But what I'm telling you, when you make excuses for somebody because of past events or your perception of what their color. I don't care if they're white. If you tell a young white child that they're privileged when they're not, and that they can't succeed because if they do, they've got some advantage that their young black friend doesn't, you're destroying that child. But here's the secret of all this. It's not by accident. If you know your history, in pre-war Germany, as young as kindergarten, the word of the state was being taught, the voice of the state, the state came first sacrifice your your independence for the state tell on your mother tell on your brother if they say anything negative against the state and this is how people are indoctrinated because once you can be afraid of being called a racist or if somebody can report you for being a racist then everybody is silent and the person or the people who control that power control you control everybody and that's what you're seeing and you think we're that far from where we were in the 30s. I will leave you with this story. I spoke to a young mother, a young white mother, not so long ago, who was talking about the struggles of black children in America today. And I said, OK, what happens if you and your neighbor who is black have identical jobs, work identical, work just as hard as each other, and yet, when it comes to a college opening or a job opportunity, the black kid gets it, even though you have worked just as hard as them. Are you okay with that? And she told me, oh, I would be thrilled. 
I would be thrilled that I could do my part to help somebody less as advantaged as I am, which is in the tr- which is not true because, as I said, they're identical, identical houses, identical jobs, identical income. But the point I'm making: think how far the indoctrination has gone. When a young mother, who I'm sure loves her child more than life, would sacrifice her own child for what she believed was compassion and goodness for somebody else. And that's what happened in pre-war Germany. Children were being indoctrinated into the ideas of the state. And when they grew up, they worshipped the state. They proudly joined the SS, which was one of the most brutal police groups ever. And the point I'm making of this is the indoctrination of somebody believing that the state has more good intentions. And if they only join those good intentions, but it's misguided. And if you give up your belief in looking at somebody as an equal, I look at all equal. I don't care what color you are. The rules I apply, law, order, compassion, your color is irrelevant to me. I view everybody as equal and I treat everybody equally. But in the new age, I guess I'm a racist. I guess I'm a bigot, I'm a homophobe. Because I don't look at one group's past or one group's struggle and elevate them above or below another group. The only way we can survive in a democratic society that brings prosperity to the most amount of people is if we treat all equally and we get off our high horses and stop elevating or de-elevating people based on purely their skin colour. So I say it's your choice. It's not my place to tell you what to think. But if you look at the cliff we're heading for, at breakneck speed, if you look at the chaos and how it's getting worse, and if you look at these young children in schools today being taught all this inclusion, diversity, and all this other stuff, and being taught that equality and looking at people as equal and believing in yourself are bad things, then don't complain when these kids graduate and they can't function as young people in any other state unless it's dependent on some government system. Wake up. We as a nation are in trouble and our children are going to pay the price for our arrogance. Thank you for your time and thank you for listening. Thank you.